So finally, after well about a year, 18 months of trying to convince him to come on to the Tim Pot podcast that is Talk Derby to me, Tim Lovejoy, the uh, the man, the myth, the legend. Have you have you missed me? I, I have, but the money wasn't good enough. That's why I haven't been on. But since you've stumped up that barrow load of cash, I'm now I'm now on it. And I want to. I actually wanted to make sure I did it whilst there still was a podcast and a, and a Derby County football team. So. You know, um, whilst whilst she's still got a club, it's worth me doing it. How's that going? Depressing, isn't it? Yeah, very. Yeah, it's um, day to day. And I saw a tweet yesterday that was something along the lines of, we've had two days of no negative news at Derby County. Doesn't this feel brilliant? And we were doing regular football podcasts where every week it was changing. And I was going on about Spanish owners and owners from America and owners from Saudi Arabia and every week for the last couple of years it's, it's just been all over the place but it seems to be stabilizing slightly i think now touch wood touch wood it's, it's so shit that football has allowed itself to get in this state it really is i mean we haven't looked after it at all have we it's kind of reflection on society really as i always say and i used to always bang on to you about but it's just i don't know how have we got ourselves into this mess constant mess that a massive club like derby county and derby county serve a purpose they're sitting you know in, in a big in a, a big area a big catchment area people who, who want the club at the heart of it and so to to kind of mismanage it that much and and the way football's gone in in that respect to end up in this situation i think it's horrific i really do so um yeah you but you know me i've got a lot of opinions on football and where it's gone wrong and uh and other things, but I, I suppose it doesn't help with Forest doing so well as well. Well, yes, and yeah, and as we've just been previously discussing before we we started this chat, I, I now work um, the wrong side of the A52, and uh, they're absolutely fine. It looks like they could get automatic promotion. Derby are probably going to get relegated to League One, borrowed an absolute miracle. Derby might not have a club, so yeah, it's um, the stars have aligned. If you'd have Asked me five years ago, what could be like the worst possible season for Derby County? I think it's unfolding in front of my very eyes, Tim. Well, yeah, you say that, but as I have always, and it is bad, and I do feel sorry for you guys because you're going through a lot, but I do think uh, there's more to supporting football than than just winning, and, and the adversity is something that if you can come out the other side, but you've got to come out the other side, you've got to keep your club. That's the important thing. But if you do come out the other side, then, you know, it can be wonderful and, and make you feel great that you've been through that, you know, can go, can create some great memories. Look at the people like Charlton who all club together to get the Valley back and, you know, AFC Wimbledon and all those sort of teams and clubs at Man City were right down, weren't they? They're really. And, and now look at them. I mean, you know, they've done it with the, some uh, foreign money, but you know, there's uh, the yeah, they're, they're a great football club now. Got well, they've always been a great football club, great football team. I mean, now and there, so they get to they, they get to see the highs and the lows. And I think that's the important thing with football. Well, well, when you started watching Chelsea, were Chelsea second division? Yeah, when I the, the, when I started going, <laughs> I started going home and away with them when they were in the. Um, it was only a couple of seasons I did it really, if I'm honest with you, because I played a lot of football. But I started going to a lot of away matches and they were in the second division and, you know, um, playing uh, in, interesting football. But I, I went to 
There's this uh, great clip that we used to show on Soccer M, and we showed it a couple of times. That the, the first ever, people can't believe this, but football was not live very often. And the first ever non, non-top flight live game was Main Road, uh, City versus Chelsea on a Friday night. And, uh, and I went up there with my mates. And um, as uh, I think it's Pat Nevin scores, they cut away to the crowd and uh, there's like a, there's me doing my hair. I was, I was like cheering and stuff, but I was also doing my wedge and I was wearing a pink Benetton shirt and I got back and I remember my brother and everyone going, you're on telly, you're on telly. They did a cutaway, you and Jim's, you're on telly like that. And it's like, cause there's no mobile phones to let us know or anything. But it seems such a long time ago. And I just remember when the camera switched on the, what's the, what's that? end cord at um the the side bit at main road which were all the fun was it the kipax yeah i think that's what it's called i can't remember what it was called back then i think it was called that i know was it called the oh god my brain's gone anyway the whole of the stand when the when the camera started rolling and stuff like that they were doing this like um your your older listeners will remember this where you you put your hands together and wave above your head so you you know you're crossing your hands and people used to do that so they could sort of see themselves on tv because it was only ever highlights before that and live tv had happened but it started happening for top flight first but obviously city versus chelsea was a big game and and in those days there was a there was a, i think there was a lot more um people that, uh, the, the the leagues there wasn't such a massive gap between the premier league and the second division you know and um or the championship as as it is now i think it was all a bit closer so chelsea went down but you know when we ba- went back up again it it yeah everyone was west ham were bouncing around loads of teams were bouncing around up and down you know those sort of those sort of clubs so yeah i think it was a bit different back then yeah in in the mid 80s derby went down to the third division and within two promotions were fifth in division 1 so i think that's how close it was at the time it's it's the equivalent of going down to league 1 and then qualifying for europe Two promotions later, I think. Right, yeah. We've we've got to talk about last night because when, when when I was watching it, my first thought was this is one of the best European games I've seen in a long time. But I'm also very glad that I've booked him in for tomorrow because it's. The- <laughs> <laughs> it, was inc- it was an incredible game because you know I'm sitting at home watching it, just thinking, well, we're out of this, and then it was just we looked brilliant. It was amazing. What a great game, but. You've got to look at football at the moment and see that Liverpool City game at the weekend. That was two teams going for it. You know, Real Madrid first. We're a long way, aren't we, from from how it was a few seasons ago. Tippy-tappy possession football where everyone was just like, score one goal and hold it. You know, the Jose Mourinho thing of, you know, don't concede a goal, part the bus and all that. Those teams were going for it. And last night they were going for it as well. Um I just thought I just thought it was so good and the, the controversy with the handball off Alonso's shot and stuff. It was you know, just screaming at the TV last night. It was I, you know what? I'm gutted that we didn't go through. But what a game. What an amazing game and what a great fight by Chelsea. And you know, and, and the two goals that um Real Madrid scored were both great goals. It's got to be said. So, you know, Benzema or Benzema, as he seems to be being called by Joe Cole. Well, he's the right pronunciation of it. I've always called him Benzema. I've always said Benzema. Benzema, they started saying last yeah. night. So anyway, it's, it's funny how pronunciations always change, isn't it? Always yeah. makes me laugh when people talk about the, um, it was always the Bernabeu Stadium. And then it was suddenly became the Bernabeu Stadium, the Bernabeu. And then um, 
And then like the new camp turned to Camp New, didn't it? And it's like <laughs> people were changing the bloody names of these things to get one up on each other. But then I was listening to McManaman last night and he called it the Burnabout and he bloody played there. So I'm going with the Burnabout. Um, but yeah, what a great game. I mean, just just tremendous. I mean, that that Modic pass was just sublime, wasn't it? Fuck me, that was good. But the whole thing was just great. You know, Chelsea were well up for it. And it was nice to see that sort of team spirit. That's, that's kind of what you want as a fan, isn't it? That's what you want more than anything else is just to just to think the players actually care and they could have turned up and just gone oh I can't be asked with this but they just really look like they were up for it I think Tuchel's brilliant he's been really good for the club VAR involved again uh, in in a big moment has your opinion changed on on VAR and what were your thoughts on the decision no I hate it I absolutely hate it it, it, it just seems to be it doesn't seem to be working it seems to be you know it works in cricket and it works in tennis it, Football's a different game. It's a flowing game. I think the um, the ball to, the line, what's the thing called? The goal line technology. I think yeah. that works really well. I think that's great because, you know, I think it's nice to know that the ball's crossed the line or not. And I think it's really hard for the, for the officials to do that. But I think there's, you know, f- football's a bit of an art. It's not like, like tennis, it's in or it's out. Cricket, it's a, you know, it's, 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 a, it's taken a nick or it's going to hit the stumps, or it's not. Do you know what I mean? Whereas football's, it's much more than that. And, you know, that those super slows are ridiculous because sometimes you look at a super slow and you go, my God, that that guy, fucking hell, it's unbelievable. He's like, I could have put him in hospital. But when you watch it in normal speed, you know, both players are aware of the tackle. One's riding it, one's going for it. You know, it's like, you know, there's not a major injury going to happen. But... I don't know, but VAR, they're just, they're messing about with the game so much at the moment. And I think trying to make the game fair, they've actually made it unfair. And I keep saying this, and I, I know I've said this to you a lot, um, Blake, but they've all forgotten what the idea is. The idea is it's for us, the fan, right? And I think everyone across the board has forgotten this, right? All the, all the pundits have forgotten it, the TV companies and everyone have forgotten. They only exist because of us. And because you can be bothered to watch it, right? And you're want you're wanting entertainment, and entertainment it, football is not fair. It's never going to be fair. That's that's the nature of football. But I think the trying to make it fair, they're actually ruining the game. And I think it's become a it's become a joke. Nobody likes VAR. I think it's been a bit better this season than it was last season. But still, and these handball rules, they you know. Uh, Alonso wasn't trying to handball it. It hit his hand. And I do think that law, ball to to hand, is a a good law rather than, you know, hand to ball, ball to hand. I think that was a good, I think that was the right way of looking at it. The ref had no choice, did he? Because it's the law now. It touched his hands, it's handball, but it's it's just bullshit. And what it does is it robs everybody of, um, you know, it robs everybody of what we're what they're supposed to be there on the pitch to do, which is entertain us, the fans. That's why they're getting paid because we're bothering to tune in. That's why they're, you know, that that that's why they can afford their cars and their houses, and that's why the clubs are run. It's because we can be bothered to watch the game, and so for us to be bothered to watch it, they've got to make it so it's entertaining for us. And rather than, I, I tell you, I remember being talking. I was working at BT Sports at the time. I remember speaking to someone at the Premier League and saying, "I just don't get it. Right? Why?" Why did Chelsea and Man United, uh, Man City actually, and, and, and United and Arsenal, why do we always get more money than the clubs at the bottom? Why on earth would you give more money to the team which wins the league 
than the team that doesn't win the league. And why would you give them more TV money? It just doesn't make any sense. And they said, if you don't give them more money, what's the incentive for playing? And I thought, to win the sodding league, isn't it? I mean, the, you know, in my lifetime, I'm old enough to remember where no one talked about money. It was like, what is, what's your team? Who have you got? There was money, obviously, as an issue because, you know, Man United, Arsenal and uh man united arsenal and liverpool would buy all the best players we all knew that and they would all go there they had the most money but it wasn't really discussed that much and then suddenly there was this thing which happened sort of you know it's during the sky sports era when i joined it and stuff suddenly money became really important and suddenly fans are sitting discussing finances and i remember often in a pub or something going i'm interested in the football not the bloody finances of the club i'm not an accountant what the fuck's happened to this game you know but that's that's the way it went you know so but yeah, I mean, amazing game last night. I've talked all around the houses, but I just thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and you know, and I was you know, like us all, we've all got a, a you know, myriad WhatsApp groups open with all our mates on it. And doesn't matter who they supported, they were going, what a game. Jesus Christ, Chelsea going to score again. And they did. And then it's like, yeah, it's just fantastic. Great entertainment. Do you struggle to to get up for and excited for like big like Chelsea games now, like with how the game's changed? Do you still have that same kind of excitement and buzz around it or you have to try and get yourself up for them if, if that makes sense i'm a bit older so and i've got more bills and so it's it's taken less of a uh, a role in my life and also i got a bit of an over i'm sure we'll talk about soccer in a minute but I, it was a bit of an overkill for me i mean we started a podcast called um disillusioned together because i uh, conversations i had with you where i just sort of got disillusioned with the sport i think it's really easy when you're watching a game like uh, the one last night uh you know mason mount scores early you suddenly go come on game on and you rub your hands and you're like yeah this is exciting and it's really uh, you know every time I, i've you know i've said this on, on the podcast we did that every time i go right fuck it no more football i'm back within you know it takes one good goal or one bad foul or something and I'm like and I'm back into the into it so I, I I can't ever ever and I can't switch it off I just I just still love watching watching the game I just think it I think it's a I think it's a great game tough being a Chelsea fan at the moment though because we're all over the place and and you know it's yeah it's just a weird time with the with with everything going on with Roman Abramovich it's a very strange very strange time for our club, not knowing who we're going to be owned by. But it looks like it looks like it's a huge asset, so it's going to be saved because someone's going to come in and buy it. But but it's it's you know kind of a weird time. What's the, the general feel? Can you sum it up? Because obviously I've been focusing recently on <laughs> keeping my own affairs in in order to to call an expression. But Chelsea, our message just straight away was like, look at both of us. We're we're both in the in a bit of trouble here. What's the the kind of general feel around Chelsea at the minute is it well I got I I I got hijacked with this the other day on a on a, a BBC podcast where they started talking me to me about it well I was I was trying to be talking about the 10th anniversary of Sunday brunch and somebody went damn you're a Chelsea fan Roman Abramovich and it was like <laughs> oh fuck uh so yeah what is it um I don't know a lot of Chelsea fans uh <sighs> Like I don't, I feel a bit sorry for Chelsea fans because um, it's not really, really the government should have said we can't have this ownership going on of our clubs. Where's the money come from? I don't think it's up to the Chelsea fans. You, all right, Blake. You know I've been uncomfortable with it because I've talked to you about it and I've talked to people about it. I've been really uncomfortable with where that money has come from, 
and uh you know sadly it was proved to be right that the money came from a, a, a you know a pretty um spurious source and, and where the money where he, his relationship with putin and and it's so corrupt it seems that that russian style money so it's always been uncomfortable for me it's always been uncomfortable that the russian there's a lot of poverty in russia and yet this guy which we do know he bought you know he was messing about with the you know, st uh, state money, basically. And he was spending it on yachts and cars and houses and footballers. And it was all a bit like, oh, it's a bit vulgar. And I think we're, you know, and it's maybe a bit more vulgar than than the oil money, because at least I suppose that's theirs. I don't, I just don't know. It's, I'm out of my depth when I start talking about, you know, world politics. But it was always a slightly, I was always slightly uneasy. I remember, you know, having a chat with you once about, um, I think we talked about it on the podcast, like in the middle of a pandemic, we're spending hundreds of millions of pounds on footballers. It's like, what the hell are we thinking? I, you know, it didn't, it didn't fit my values. And so, you know, when he finally, they, you know, they decided that they were going to sanction him and everything, you know, there's a lot of choices. He's the best owner ever. And it's like, oh, oh really? Where's the money come from? You know, we got to, we got, we got to do, yeah. but football, as I say, it, it reflects a lot of what's going on in society. And a lot of it doesn't fit my values. It's that I have a problem with it. You know, I've had a, a real problem with this world cup. I don't know what to think about it. And I think a lot, a lot of football fans out there feel the same way. I was asked to do a big job in Qatar actually for football. I turned it down immediately because I was like, no, I don't want to do it because I, I don't understand the situation over there. All I understand is it doesn't feel great. How they got it doesn't feel great. And the infrastructure of it, what some of the stuff I've read about people and stuff. So I, I, I sort of said, no, I don't, I, I don't want to do it. Well, what, I mean, what is going to happen with this world cup with everyone just going to turn a blind eye and just go, Oh, it's just all about the football. I don't know. So there's two arguments, isn't there? One, you ignore it or two, you let people sit at the table so you can try and influence them. And, and maybe so there's, there's better human rights over there. I just don't, I just don't know, but the whole thing, just football's football's going through a bit of a funny, funny phase at the moment. And, you know, and, and Derby County are on the receiving end of just dodgy shit, which has happened for years. Why, how has that been allowed to happen to something which is, we, these aren't just, they're treated like they're just companies like Coca-Cola or something, but they're not because they're, they're owned by, they're sort of owned by the people, you know, because you lot are the ones who are funding it constantly. You're not going to suddenly switch your allegiance and go to Nottingham Forest because you can't do that. So, you, so they know they've got you. Uh, I could go on. I'm, <laughs> I'll shut up. But yeah, I don't know what's going. So I don't know what the the, the whole thing is at, at Chelsea. But what I do know is is I think we need to be careful in football where all the money's coming from. Um, and you you know we've got to work out what our values are for the game. I think. Do you think there'll come a point where there's a breaking point between what your values are and what your football club is? Because I, I would, I question certain owners. I think Newcastle recently, the, the the new owners came under question and I kind of thought, oh, that's a bit dodgy. But then I thought, if they come and bought Derby County, would I be overly uh, vocal about me not liking them being here? I don't know because it's not happened. So there's going to have to be a breaking point at some point where fans have to, it's down to us, essentially, to actually... It's the same with people protesting about anything. Nothing will change until the fans do something. But what if we... Yeah, but what, what for some reason, we've been brainwashed into thinking the only important thing is winning, right? So as a Chelsea yeah. fan, we didn't win anything like full members' cup. But I went to see us win, and then we won in 97, the FA Cup, and it was like, it was amazing. I mean, the feeling of winning the FA Cup, was it's never been replicated. 
the Champions League wins, the the um, all the other FA Cup wins, the league wins. That's never replicated the fact that I actually saw us win something and I thought we were never going to do that. I thought the only people who won things were Arsenal, Man United, Liverpool, do you know what I mean? Maybe Spurs when the year ends in a one or something stupid like that. Obviously, Forest, great football club, you know, winning European titles everywhere. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> but apart, apart from that, I just like, it wasn't like something. And then to see it happen... It was it was absolutely phenomenal. Now it's like this this thing which is just win at all costs, and so we ended up in the most vulgar situation, which was sack Ancelotti. He's won us the double, but let's sack him. And it's like, what the fuck are we sacking Ancelotti? Look at him, he's still brilliant. How the hell did he get sacked? I mean, Jesus Christ! You know, Di Matteo won us the league, sack him. Uh, the Champions League, sack him. You know, it doesn't matter who it was. It was like, oh, not successful. Jose Mourinho, sack him. Here, sack him. Conte, get rid of him. Get rid of him. You know, how have we? How did we get rid of Conte? What what happened to that situation? The guy's brilliant. You know how. How did we end up falling out with him and, and all that happening? So, so we, it's been very ugly, I think, this whole thing of, um, and sort of sadly, I definitely bought into it at the beginning. I was like, well, it works, doesn't it? But then when you sit back and you start looking at it, you know, look what's going on at Watford as well and clubs like that where they just keep sacking their managers constantly. It's like, what am I supporting? I'm supporting you, your trophy now. And as I said to you, you know, and I, and I know I've, You've heard me say this a lot of times. I'm bored of being a trophy club because I feel like I'm supporting someone's yacht. You know, it's like his toy. And I'm like, where's my bit of this? Where's my bit? Like I used to, when I used to pay to get into Chelsea, go and stand by the tea bar or go to the benches or go into the East Stand and sit down when I was feeling a bit flash, you know, any of those sort of things, like I'd spend a few quid and go in there. I was paying for, I don't know, Kerry Dixon, Speedy, Joey Jones, Mickey Thomas, any of those boys, I was paying for their wages, you know? I know it was only a five or something back then. We'd pay, we were paying for the players, they were playing for us. Now we know that your money going through the turnstiles is sort of irrelevant. It's the money's coming from Sky Sports or uh, especially at the Premier League end or it's coming from BT Sports or or whatever. You know, I'm not really, I'm not even paying for their hair gel when I go. And it's it's like, so, so you turn up there and you go, where's my bit? What's my, what's my bit of this? Where's my ownership of it? What, where's my bit where I can say, you know, I, I'm doing this with you. So I don't feel like I'm doing it with the players. Like you lot are definitely doing it with your team at the moment because you've you've got Rooney, who's like uh, seems to be doing miracles. If you ask me, at the moment he seems to be really eloquent. He's really turned around, isn't he? He's a good guy, and and I was I was quite shocked about that. But you lot are in it. You're dug in, and you're like you know when you're going to the games, your money's worth something to that club at the moment, and you know that you know any any form of support they can get and the players they need it everybody needs it at derby county you're digging in you're all part of it i don't feel like i'm part of it ever at the moment you know it just feels really weird apart from not long so long ago a load of people contacting me on social media going please support us because we're supporting them to get the bid for chelsea or support them and there was like all these people contact me i was like well i just don't know enough about where the bids and where the money's coming from so 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 i haven't got involved in that but yeah you know i'm rambling here but you know i get kind of passionate about this because i do believe it's important to have um yes have a have something to to support and as you well know when frank lampard joined chelsea uh, not joined chelsea became the chelsea manager i i was so happy because i felt like 
he's ours, even though he came from West Ham, but, you know, he played for us and scored all those goals, won all those trophies. And I felt like, yes, come on. And it didn't take us long before we went, let's sack him. <laughs> I mean, Tuchel's brilliant, but he'll be gone, won't he? Because he hasn't won anything. You know, I mean, if, we, if Palace beat us in the semi-final, you know, and, we don't, and we're, we're nowhere near competing for the league, we're out of the Champions League, suddenly, yeah, you know, you know for a fact, Tuchel's, we're potless. Oh, we can't sack him now, actually. That's a good point, because Roman's gone. But if Roman was still there, he'd be going, sack him. Who's next? You know, it's like, it's mental. You you were at Sky Sports in the in the mid nineties when the Premier League and everything started to kick off. Was there a moment with football and the development of the Premier League and how football developed where you started to notice that it was kind of changing and, and getting beyond what football was? Yeah, I, I I watched I watched the evolution of it, and I have to say, in balance, when I went to Sky Sports in ninety six. Um, it was just the best thing ever for the game. You've got to remember that the game was run down, right? And there was obviously a load of disasters and including the, the Bradford disaster, which is a really old stadium, which had burnt down. And, 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 and the, you know, obviously Hillsborough, there's a lot of the stadiums weren't fit for purpose. And it was like pretty, poof, what's going on here? And the Taylor report made everyone have brand new shiny stadiums because they had to have all these all-seater stadiums. Um, what happened then, I think, was you know, the money was coming in from Sky Sports. And as we know, the money went up massively over a very short period of time. And the game was brand new and it was, and it was exciting. You know, the, the old crap of the 80s and the football hooligans, it was slightly trying to move away from that. And it was new and shiny. Then we started getting proper foreigners over. And that was, I mean, that was unbelievable. What went on at Middlesbrough was just phenomenal. Do you remember Ravenelli and Emerson and Janino and all that lot going to Middlesbrough? It was just incredible. And at Chelsea at the time, I remember Rude Hullet coming over to Chelsea and I couldn't believe, I could not believe Rude Hullet was playing at Chelsea. I read Hoddle's book recently and it's great because he talks all about um, getting him over and, and what he meant to the, you know, to, to, to Chelsea and how he could, you know, look at the way that, that, that we were playing and everything. It's just, it was just amazing. And then like Zola arrives and Viali arrives and, you know, all these great players just seemed to turn up. The, the game was amazing, I think. And then, and Soccer AM, I tell you one of the things, we used to get footballers on all the time. And if they were injured or suspended, we'd get, oh, we'd get Gus Poyet on and we'd get Di Matteo on and we'd get all these guys that'd come on, you know, picking all the Chelsea ones there. But we get teams from, from other clubs, apart from Man United. Never had a player from Man United. Fergie wouldn't let us have one. But all the clubs came on, all the players from... And um, Liverpool, when Julio was there, he said we didn't take football seriously enough. Jesus. And so he wouldn't let us have anyone. And then slowly, one by one, the clubs, then Arsenal stopped letting us have players on. And then slowly it filtered down to when we weren't, you know, we were doing crossbar challenges with the players and everything. We had real access. And then suddenly it was like, poof, it all switched off. They'd become so big that if they were on match day, on a Saturday, if they were um, injured or suspended, they were in the club uh, or they had to travel with the team. And um, then the sort of, if you start, you start watching it, things like the crossbar challenge we were doing, like it's Plymouth Argyles week and like, <laughs> Tramir Rovers. It was never, you know, anymore. It was never Villa or someone like that. And no, no disrespect to those clubs because it was brilliant because, you know, Soccer M stood for the, all the leagues and Helen was brilliant because of that. You know, we really set our stall out that I was going to be a Ponzi Premier League 
uh, football fan and she was going to be the heart of all the lower divisions and it kind of, and it kind of worked and they took the piss out of me didn't they smug Chelsea bore they'd call me all the time and stuff and it was good but yeah and slowly and my last season of soccer and one of the reasons why I jacked in was we didn't have one footballer sitting there it was like we're a football show with no footballers it was impossible to get them and they we used to be able to speak to them on the phones as well and then that started drying up and in the end, I was sitting there going, "Is no one going to give us any players?" And they'd all decided that they were all too big, and the sort of the attitude had come round that don't stick any of the players on the on the uh, on the show. You know, we're t- we're too we're too big for that sort of stuff. And it was a real shame because all that you know those classic things like getting Gaza on the phone and and Gaza would only do a. <laughs> Castle would only do a phone call with us. He was playing a borough at the time and he'd only do a phone call with us. If Andy Townsend, if we show footage of the way Andy Townsend breathed, because he breathed out his side of his mouth. <laughs> and he said, when he breathes out the side of his mouth, he looks like he's blowing a trumpet and he'd notice it on the pitch and he wanted just to show it. So so we did it. I mean, Townsend was a good laugh as well, so he didn't mind. But we showed it, but we kept putting a trumpet noise on. Gaza was laughing so much he couldn't breathe. He was like just crying. So it was just, it was just amazing. But we had all those wonderful things with all those people, and you know, it was just it was such a great thing. And I could see that with the celebrity, it, it was still buoyant. But the football was gone, and I was like, "This is a football show. We need that. We need some footballers on there." And I, when I got um, Helen Chamberlain on my podcast, we discussed it. We did it sort of the evolution of our time via like a time scale thing, and how we got Robbie Fowler, the first big footballer, and then we got Noel Gallagher, who just opened the floodgates for us to get everyone, and you know, all that sort of stuff. It was it was it was a fantastic time, and everyone wanted a piece of it. But the footballers were all watching it. That was a frustrating thing. They were all loving it, and they were sending pictures. They were sending footage of them so they would would text us going did you see my showboat and stuff like that because they wanted it on the show it was amazing and it was really good we were really looking out for us but i couldn't get any of the bloody people on in the end it was a nightmare i remember like a big piece of history was like um arsene wenger going across to arsenal and suddenly it's like you don't eat what you're eating we're having pasta and we're doing this and we're changing the attitude it kind of coincided with with what you say now with like the the changing attitude about footballers and not like the not having the drinking culture, we're not doing this, we're not doing that, we're not doing the. It, it, it kind of coincided with that, like the changing culture in football. It did, but that that I think that was what Wenger did was good because he came in. I tell you who's the best, right? Like I'm not a massive fan of the way Sir Alex Ferguson treated officials. I thought he started that whole thing of like let's hammer the officials post match, pre match, and during the match. And at the end of the match, oh, he's let us down. And before the match, we're worried about this ref and that. And I think that's really unfair on the officials. And you know, and I, I don't think there's a football fan out there who can't look over at rugby and go, that's how to treat officials. And we treat we treat them so badly I don't know why any of them do it like the way the players shout and scream in their faces and the way the managers critique them all the time I tell you what Brian Clough he's uh you know I know you all love Brian Clough up there in your your part of the world he used to respect the officials and and we I think we've forgotten that actually Cloughy was the guy um who who used to always say to the players you know I uh, it's about the fans. It's you know, this is what it is. It's about the fans, and it's like that's what it is about. People, people forget that. But I do think what Wenger did was by bringing the professionalism, he made he upgraded the sport, and the sport needed upgrading from the sort of like you know beer drinking footballer page three girl you know type thing that that their image was. You know, I do, do I remember is going out in London clubs, how no footballers were allowed in clubs because they were so tacky. 
And then during that era of late 90s and stuff, suddenly footballs were in all the clubs and suddenly they were like at the gigs and stuff like that because they they suddenly became really famous. The, the Beckham era is the era that it really like, he did something where he became, you know, he, he what did he do? Wear a sarong, grow his hair, you know, <laughs> shave his hair, have a, have a Mohican, da, 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 whatever he did, all those like little things he did. He took footballers for being, you know, um, we love Phil Collins and, um, you know, R&B to hold on. We are the actual stars. I mean, I think people forget that. We looked over at Italy, all the big stars over in Italy, the way that, you know, in Syria and um, Football Italia. And we thought, oh, there you know, Jean-Pierre Papin and, you know, I don't know, all those guys who are playing out there. Marcel Desailles and all these dudes. And then and then we sort of suddenly had them homegrown ones over here and it was quite good it's funny actually when you show you <laughs> showing some pictures the other day of man united when they were really famous you got beckham looking really cool and the rest of them they were trying but they were just they just couldn't quite do it but beckham's taken it you know like a calvert, calvert lewis at the moment doing the fashion stuff that footballers you know become fashionable and they're they're up there um yeah, I don't know. I think what Wenger did was bring a bit of professionalism, and I think the sport desperately needed it. They desperately needed to, they needed to grow up and get a bit more sophisticated. Did you realise? At the time of soccer, how culturally, how big a thing it was, because it was such a, it was, I was speaking to a friend who I worked with yesterday about what I was doing, recording with you today. And I was like, you got any questions? He's like, yeah, ask him. Did you realise how massive it was? Because everyone kind of stopped. If you was a football fan, nine o'clock on a Sunday morning, everyone was watching soccer. Yeah, it was like a perfect storm though, wasn't it? I've, I've, I, I did a big uh, interview about this for The Athletic magazine and it was like, um, you know, it, it sort of took me back it was the the perfect storm of 96 the late 90s because when we first took over the show there, there was no viewers at all it was the late 90s it was brit pop it was the you know brit art scene it was like exciting people getting into football england were doing all right you know we we had some stars and stuff like that and it was it suddenly became really exciting how uh you know the, the atmosphere was great and we i think we just were you know there was TFI Friday on as well. The word had just, I don't know, the word had maybe still on, just finished or something. I don't know. It was like that whole thing though. Yeah, Oasis had become big and and uh, um, everyone seemed to be really excited in the world. I was saying the other day, actually, the 90s were, uh, is our, my generation, 60s. It was like a really good time. It's so miserable at the moment. But the 90s was just so much fun. And and then I think what we did is we just took that sort of, that, that feeling and, and we were just messing about with it. And genuinely, I'd come from the Big Breakfast where I'd done a couple of years, researcher and producer, and I just had lots of ideas. And the guys I found in the office, Fairness and um, Sheephead and Neil and Robbie, none of them really had any experience. And I just said, come what ideas we got? Let's stick them on TV. And I think what the beauty of it was, was people felt like, it was their show because they were watching us sort of try and develop all this shit live on air. And, and it was just, we put a lot of crap on there. And I think people preferred the rubbish to the stuff, which I, there was a lot of stuff which worked, but then there was some stuff which just was like, 
you know, this is just nonsense. It was so bad. We would do it again. I remember tables, man, being the worst thing. And it was so awful that went, let's do it again next week because <laughs> it's so bad. But all those things like fixtures, man, and all that. Yeah, you, we realized that people were enjoying the catchphrases. And, and we started by stealing all everybody else's material because we didn't really know what we were doing. So we'd steal everything off the far show, um, uh, uh, Vic and Bob and all that. So I'd steal it for the first few seasons. And then we'd start thinking, okay, we can start doing our own stuff now. And it really was just a group of guys having as, as much fun as we possibly could seeing, can we get this on TV and can we get away with it? You know, people always forget about things like the topless weather. That was the antidote to uh, people always say, Oh, lad culture, but, I, we were also doing the antidote to lag culture as well. Topless weather was because I was watching, I think it's live TV or something, and they had topless darts on it. I was like, that is mental. What is that? So I said, let's do topless weather, but I have it as a man. And so, you know, we got outside to topless weather as a bloke. That was the joke for one week, which ended up lasting for probably nine seasons, you know, or something, maybe more. And it, and, and it's just all that stuff. And, and we, yeah, we realized it was big. And the other thing that I, I tried to do was get as many regional accents on because I really thought TV was so London biased always. And every, every time you watch TV, you just hear a London accent like mine. And I thought, like, I've got all these northerners working for me. Let's get them on telly and let's hear their accents because I think it just people warm to that sort of thing. And, and I think that genuinely works. And just everywhere you go, people would throw catchphrases that you ever wanted to join in. It was, I was, it was a mental time. And just things like the Safe Chip campaign, which just became huge. Everywhere you went, that thing was happening. And it was a time where viral was just starting to happen, I think. Um, it wouldn't happen now because there's too much media now. But at that time, it was really viral. And, you know, it's it just everywhere you looked, people were sending in pictures of Safe Chip. It was just phenomenal. I can remember being a, a kid of 11 or 12 when Safe Chip happened in like at WrestleMania on like the third row, which is like 100,000 people in America watching wrestling on the third row. It'd be like Safe Chip, don't let Sarah win. Yeah, and, every, and I couldn't at the time. I, I didn't really understand it. It's only subsequently that like, the campaign of of Chip and Sarah, but I, that's that transcends everything, doesn't it? If you if you've got something, a vehicle like that, that's it couldn't be replicated now, could it? I don't think so. I think it'd be too hard to do. Um, I remember watching an NFL game, or someone sent it in, and they were like middle of NFL, so it was like a third touchdown or something, and there was like or second touchdown, and there was like a second touchdown, second what do you call it? Second down. Second down, that's it, yeah. And, and then they cut away, and in the crowd, someone's holding safe chip in sort of some, I don't know, Miami or somewhere. And then and then the next week, it's like at the bowls. And you're like, what? And it's, like, <laughs> it's insane what was going on. It was really it was really good. No, I'm not sure it could. I, and what I think why people like, I think people like buying into campaigns. They like buying into things. But I think they like, they really like buying into them if they don't mean too much. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it kind of just meant, look, we're all giving a nod to we like watching football. That's basically what it was. It was we all like watching football. I mean, we do th weird things like we work really hard, though. Now, I think of all the items, well, uh, items just come into my head all the time. We, 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 we just did, did so much stuff on that show because it was three hours long. We busted our balls on it. And we used to do lots of lying on there, by the way. Lots of stuff where I just make it up because uh, I thought it was funny. But um, uh, we, we used to start the season. I don't know how often we did this, but I think for the first season we did it. Um, one of the first season we did it, we, we would tell you the weekend that you could get married 
where there was no sport, the best weekend, because if you get married this weekend, no one's going to come because the FA Cup final is on or this is on or that's on or something like that. People used to like that sort of stuff because it's just kind of a bit irreverent and a bit fun, you know. So I remember putting the every every year we would put the tables up before the before the um season started. We'd go, let's have a look how the tables are standing now. And people would get really angry with us. They'd like no one's played. And we do it after week one as well. Now they do it. They bloody do it. I mean, we're about two weeks into the season and they start putting the tables up. I mean, what are you doing? Because they never used to happen until about five, six, seven weeks in or something, you know. But people do that now. And it's just like every little, I wanted to make sure that every little bit of that show was was just a little bit of fun for someone. And, you know, loads of, there weren't obviously all my ideas about me and all the guys used to work at it, but just things like we never put Warsaw, we always put Warsaw. I mean, I don't think you could do that now because like we used to get letters every week going, it's not Warsaw, it's Warsaw, Warsaw's in. And there's a, and then we do a huge Derby match. It's Derby versus whoever, you know, every week we'd say that. It's just bullshit. Everything we did was bullshit, but it was just funny. And I think that's why people liked it. But it was like Tottingham, wasn't it? Tottingham was one of them. And then, um, then Northampton Town was always Cobblers. Cobblers, yeah. Always no, Cobblers, yeah. Boston we- Goals. We had CCTV, which always made me laugh. The reason why I had CCTV, which is Comedy City um, Television, was because CCTV just uh, amused me, the idea that we would say, let's have a look at the CCTV, and then we'd go to that. But what amused me so much was I suddenly started getting, like, wind of what was going on in the Midlands. Now, the rest of the country don't know this, but you only have to walk a mile and the accent changes. I mean, it's like it's mental where you lot live, right? From from Birmingham to Leicester or wherever, wherever you go, it's like you walk half a mile and then it's like there's a different accent. It's it's insane. And you've all got your own accents. And so we would do a covenant. We would only, we'd only do one. We only had one accent for the Midlands with Fenners and all that lot, which was all right, skip type thing. And then what we would try and do is just try and check. And then every week on CCTV, we used to have the guys sitting there and then they would interview someone and then they would like in their crap, <laughs> Birmingham accents or Midlands accents and then they would go what part of Coventry are you from I don't recognise that accent <laughs> and it, it, that, that that was one gag which lasted forever because I was like this is mental how how much the accents change in the Midlands it's it's in it's I mean I can't tell you know like I can't tell the difference probably between Nottingham and Derby obviously Birmingham I can but Birmingham and Coventry and so it all sort of you know, it all sorts of slowly starts getting in one, but that the, the Coventry thing just was hysterical. It really made me laugh. Like previously stated, I work in Nottingham, and, and someone said to me the other day, "Oh, you sounded so Derby then." And it's like <laughs> I live like, about twelve miles. It's not like it's in, but it's insane where you live, isn't it? That you're like that whole area. The accent changes so dramatically from from i don't know why that is i should i should look it up one day but yeah but people are really really kind of proud of their accent as in they you know that in the in the whole of the midlands like birmingham i hate being confused for coventry it's just so weird you know but anyway there you go whereas london we all speak like this <laughs> but yeah yeah I'll- I'm not, I'm not a blummer. I'm from the black country. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. And that's why we did CCTV because someone, I knew someone from Coventry who used to spend all his time going, you're getting our accent wrong. We're not from Birmingham. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You sound like you are. And he's like, we're not. We sound so different. And it's like, and that's why we started doing it. It was really funny. Yeah. So genuinely, like without sounding like I'm blowing smoke, um, I credit Soccer AM with my style of humor, even to this day. Like I remember being at school and, 
like Stan Hibbert with the Tony Curtis joke that went on for, for weeks and weeks. So you're going to do your Tony Curtis joke. You're going to do your Tony Curtis joke. And I remember being excited every Saturday morning going, is it going to be the Tony Curtis joke? Is it going to be the Tony Curtis joke? And then they did it and it was... <laughs> Uh, it, it, was, it wasn't what I expected, but it's still funny. And then they had that, oh, what I was it? I can't remember it. It was um, the joke. They built it up for years, if it, not for years, but for weeks and weeks. And then, right, Blake walks into the barbers, wants to cut me out like Tony Curtis. Barber goes, Yep, sit down. Then, yep. Because like, the fellas is telling it, like, it's stunning. But, yeah, yeah, right. Goes, snip, 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 snip. Snip, 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 snip. Yeah, yeah. Gets the mirror out. What do you think? Blake goes, It's terrible. Tony Curtis out of his haircut like that. Said he would do if he came in here. <laughs> <laughs> what a great gag! I remember it now. Such a brilliant. It's just do you know what's great about that? It's just an old shit standard stand-up comedy routine gag, which we stole and decided to repackage for our for our viewers. And I and I do remember us going, "Go on, do the do do the Tony Curtis gag." Well, well, I mean, the, even Tony Curtis is such a stupid reference because it's so like lame. But what I love about that is we knew that people watching us every week, that's what we knew. And we knew people were talking about it. And we knew when we were on, we could do running gags. I mean, I don't know, remember if you remember, but um, I used to just do random words like um, double and then the next week I'd go trouble. And I basically, through a whole season, did the double trouble rap, you know, and double trouble and the Rebel MC rap. I did, but I did one word a week. And then we cut it all together and everyone was like, was that worth it? And I was like, no fucking way was that worth it. But it was just like the, 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 the viewers loved it because, because they were going, oh shit, we had to watch him do that every week. And then the, the payoff and what was brilliant about it, I had a beard. I, in the season, I grew a beard and then I cut it off. So it just, it was amazing. It was, uh, we put a lot of effort into that show. I had to, actually, I'll tell you the quick story. I had to apologize to the guys once because I, I finished doing it and, Oh, yeah, TV these days. No one works the hours we worked. We worked so hard to to have such a laugh and do all that sort of stuff. And one day, like we're all on a WhatsApp group, and I text them and I said to them, "Guys, like, I'm sorry, I put you through absolute hell. I, you know, we worked the long hours." One by one, they all came back and said, "Absolutely loved it. Wouldn't change it for the world. What a laugh, you know." And it's like because these days in TV, you, know, you pretty much work nine to five sort of hours. We would we would be working twelve hour days constantly trying to. We used to live in the office. We used to play cricket in the office. We used to play football in the office. We had a big what they they didn't they kind of and the, <laughs> some of the people who did the real football sort of a few of them didn't really appreciate us. Not the actual people who worked on it. Some of the bosses and so they stuck us out in this like like warehouse, this freezing cold warehouse. We used to work on our coats sometimes. And we and I just went well. We're here. Let's make the most of it. So we made a cricket pitch. And we made a dartboard. We put a dartboard up, and then we had a little area where we used to play football. And and that, and then we used to just get everyone together all the time. It just you ne- you're never going to have as good an experience as that, you know. Talking about this has made me feel really uh, oh, quite emotional about it. It was so amazing. There's two things that have happened over the last week that still prove one what you're saying about soccer, but kind of being like the the family environment and everyone getting on, and and the references that that still come out because. I saw a fixtures man one the other day. The, the Football League announced that the fixtures will be released on June the whatever, and straight away it's just pictures of Robbie Knox. Uh, Brilliant. And the, it's when the clocks went back. Amazing. And it's nat- Naturist. That's fantastic. What's what's in your thermos? <laughs> yeah. 
hot things hot and cold things cold God, yeah two cups of coffee and a choc ice yeah it's uh, unbelievable uh, yeah i mean that was we it's, uh, the running gags as well i think people like them because they just were coming thick and fast and you know i, I you know I, we had the best time ever it was really good it had to come to an end and i'm, I'm you know I, I don't think it would well it's still on but i don't think it could be it could be quite the same now there's too much media around and too much stuff happening but yeah do you still watch it uh do you know what I do pick up on it occasionally. What I've, because I, I work Sunday mornings, I try and spend Saturday mornings. I have to do my learn my script for Sunday morning, but I also try and try and do something to get out of the house at a weekend to try and feel normal. I've done twenty six years of weekends, and it's just like solid. So I, I just try not to spend all my time sitting and watching it. And the problem with me is if I switch it on, I won't switch it off. Cause I just like, like, you know, I like football and I like watching that sort of stuff. So, you know, I think they're doing a good job. I said completely different environment, you know, so you can't, you can't, I don't think you can compare it. It's tough to compare because you know, the environment's totally different. I mean, the, 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 I don't think we'd have survived if there was social media. Well, I was going to say that if, if, you came in to Soccer AM in 2022 in the position you were in 1996. Would you have been able to do what you did with, with Soccer AM and take it to the highest it was? No, but, I, you know, some of the stuff we did, I cringe at now. It's horrible, but, you know, some of the stuff is brilliant. But I think what would happen is, you know, if you watch Sunday Branch on a Sunday, uh, bizarre that it's on a Sunday, isn't it? Sunday Branch. But if you watch Sunday Branch on a Sunday, I've, I've tried to, well, I do create the same atmosphere everywhere I go because I'm not the greatest presenter in the world. You know, I'm no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the slickest guy in the world, but what I can do is create an atmosphere. And that's all I'm trying to do always on the TV shows I do. So you know, we had our 10th birthday party the other day and basically every guest on it just hammered me. And I was like, and I was like, God, Jesus, that's just exactly the same as, as soccer M, everyone just hammered me every week. The smug Chelsea ball they used to call me and everything else, but I loved it because it's creating an atmosphere where, you know, where where people are enjoying it. Hopefully the viewers are and the guests are. And, you know, first thing I do on a Sunday morning when I go in, it's the same as soccer M. Where the guests, where the guests? Hey, you know, well, after I've done the script meeting and stuff, it's like, where are they? Hey, what have you been up to? What's happening? Da, 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 da. Try and we'll get them warmed up. It's like, yeah, we've been that two, three hours. We're going to eat and drink. What a laugh. And it is a laugh. And I think that's, you know, people forget being on TV is having fun. I think one of the success of Ant and Deck is um, they're having fun and you can tell it. One of the worst things that's happened to football is how bloody serious everyone is. Where's Where's the smiling? Apart from the... Apart from the cameras where they where someone scores and they all go, yeah, which is the new thing, isn't it? The, hey, look at me. I'm a, <laughs> I support whoever. Yeah. Apart from that crap, where's the bit where they're all having a laugh? You know, and it's like they used to people used to have a really good laugh. And then it, it's only, you know, sometimes fantastically, uh, uh, Micah Richards will sometimes just lose it. <laughs> with Roy Keane but you're like if I was the presenter I would be trying to do that every I'd be trying to get that just try and get a bit of that you know get some get some atmosphere there because I, I always thought with Soccer M one of the first things uh, I did is I realized that you know the reason why it's successful is we like football we're not anoraks with it we just love football so I started looking at sh- you know, third eyes and stuff. What's the funny bits? What's going on? Where's the skills? Where this? Where you know? And that's what we would do because it's because that's interesting. I think that's what most people are like. But then you get football where it gets really stuck into formations and stuff, and you you know, and you, people are like, really? Do we care? You know, it's like I mean, you do care, obviously, but but it's like you know, where's the fun? 
we're, you know, no one goes to the, well, actually, maybe we all, all do go to the pub now and talk about formations and stuff. I don't know. And finances. But that was not my time on Soccer Am. My time on Soccer Am was like, let's have as much fun with this as we possibly can. Great characters in the game then as well. You know, you raise the Ruddocks and stuff and, you know, all that sort of stuff. It was brilliant. We've just mentioned about 26 years on, on weekends. And it's no secret I really look up to you and we've worked together before and, and you're a, a hero of mine. And so I've got three questions to end, if that's okay, for, for me and the listeners. Yeah. Uh, what career goals have you got left? What have you got left to achieve that you think, that is, is there anything that, you, that sticks out that you think, I really want to do this? Like That's the one thing I want to achieve. I just want to, I'd like to just keep evolving into doing stuff that I want to do. You know, as you know, I do podcasting now and I've got my and new online stuff happening, which is good. Um and I just want to see if I can carry on doing that. I don't really have, I just like talking to people, you know, that I'm, I'm obsessed with learning and carrying on learning. I'll tell you something really interesting for, have you got time? Yeah, yeah, of course. All right. For your listeners. So like I do, I, I do podcasts and, and they used to, I kind of did them as an agony uncle thing and then it evolved. And then, uh Blake here did uh, some football ones with me the A to Z of football but we did, I, I got a lot of experts on and I kept using I kept finding out I was getting more and more interested in, in life and experts it's no secret that I, that I had depression and the way I found the way out of it for me was to read and just try and learn as much about it but it ended up with me getting a massive thirst for or a hunger to learn stuff about everything. So I'm just looking in front of me here. I've got, you know, I did a podcast on um, status not so long ago. I did a podcast on failure. I did one on fear. Uh, the one I did the other day, oh, is our food killing us? I did one on that, which intrigued me. But the one I did the other day, which is really interesting for your uh, audience because um, they're uh, football fans, is one on brain injuries. Now, it, it gets called concussion a lot. And it gets called, um, and they're talking about brain injuries in sport. And uh, a woman called um, Hannah Walker-Brown wrote a book called The Delicate Game. Um, I'm just trying to look what the actual title is. Brain Injuries um, in Sport. Uh, brain Injury Sport and the, uh, and the Sacrifice. And, it, and it's a really interesting thing because I start learning about that. And I start realizing that um, hitting the ball actually isn't that good for you. Uh and I loved heading the ball. I love playing football. So, you know, I really enjoyed doing that. But let's take rugby out of the equation for a minute because we know there's kind of a lot of brain injuries happening there. But football, it's apparently, it's the it's not actually head clashes. It's the constant heading of football. So I didn't know anything about this. And I started talking to her and she was saying to me, um, like, it's up to parents whether they decide um, whether to let their kids head a football. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. That's not fair because, you know, can you, I can't imagine my mum saying to me, don't head a football at training. I'd be like, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? I'm going, like, I loved heading the football. Now, when I watch football matches and you'll notice this, your listeners, if they start looking at it, you will notice how much heading the ball there is now in the game i mean we thought it were gone but it it it, it, ha it hasn't at all but it's kind of apparently the shaking of the head and everyone says but the it's the old balls it's apparently the new balls are are as bad if not worse they hit harder and they're not a massive different in weight in them so i start looking at this and i start talking to people about it and i've been called a snowflake for just discussing this which is which is which is weird but i'm wondering whether football could survive without heading the game at the moment i think well of course it could survive but it's not the game we want is it we love a you know that, 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 that 
Benzema, Benzema, uh, his goal last night, great header, you know, all that sort of stuff. But it's, it's a really interesting thing. So a lot of people contacted me because I started talking about it on social media. And when you start reading, you know, or there, there's um, Jeff Astle died, West Brom player, and his, his wife is now uh, busy doing campaigns and stuff. When you start reading about the, the knowledge they're gaining from people heading the football, and how much damage it can potentially do to you to keep on doing it. Also, if you get concussion, you're supposed, I think you're supposed to take 21 days off. They're back playing within a week or two weeks. They apparently, I didn't even know this, that the professional bodies, whoever it is, maybe the PFA, or I don't know whether it's the leagues or the FA or whoever, are recommending that pro footballers only hit the ball 10 times during training a week. Like what the, no one's telling us this. It's like really weird. And so now it's like we're, we're living in this weird world. So I love all this stuff. So basically the, the, the answer, long-winded answer to your question is I just like learning. But this is a really interesting one that I wish I hadn't learned because I love watching football and I love watching headers and stuff like that. But apparently the, 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 the constant heading of the football. So there's now football, um, heading footballs is banned uh, for under 12s. Um, a lot of people are trying to make it so it's under 18s. And then I suppose if you do do under 18s, then I suppose you could start thinking about getting rid of heading as they grow up and going into it. But what do you think? I mean, you know, you love football. Can you imagine a game without heading? I just can't imagine it. No. I think it was mentioned briefly when we had Danny Cowley on, um, on the Eighth Sedan, the change in the game. And I thought at the time, obviously, look at the, the scientific side of it and it's an it sounds like a terrible expression to use but it's a no-brainer if it's if it's going to be if it's causing harm then it's something that needs to be to be taken away from the game but would it be the same game i always assumed it would be concussion that was the problem just like yeah. cl- cl- clash of heads but it turns out it's not it's just heading the ball half the 1966 team have got or died of dementia it's like what Wow. Okay. And it's, I don't know. I, I played with concussion. Have you played with concussion? I, I was used to get a headache. Oh, you were in goal, weren't you? But did you get a concussion at all? Not that I know of, but um, I used to play like I had concussion mm. a week, but um, no, um, no, not that I knew. I think I've had concussion once because I, I banged my head um, and felt very sick and, and yeah, quite horrible afterwards. It kind of being like, like a seasicky type and then confused and, so I think I've had concussion, but I've never played with it, I don't think. So I'm in a real dilemma with this one because uh, like someone tweeted me and contacted me and said, uh, stop ruining the game. Your fault again, is it? You're ruining the game. Yeah, yeah, I'm ruining the game. But, but I did think it was interesting. It's like, yeah, I do. I said, I, I kind of get it what you're saying here because i can't imagine the game without it but it's so I, it's one of those things i wish i hadn't learned anyway i like, I like learning stuff i don't know what happens with that um and uh you know whether your listeners what, what they'll think about it but it's like it's it's a really strange scenario where, where, where we're walking into and i can't imagine a long-term future where where it, it suffice, but I can't imagine football without it. And I can't imagine actually playing without hitting the football either. It's like, I don't play anymore, by the way, but, but I can't imagine it. But next time you watch a game, watch to start watching how many, how to, how many headers there are, you know, we thought the game had, was played, you know, you know, if they'd wanted the ball played in the air, that have put grass in the sky or whatever Cluffy said, but you know, um, I think uh, you think they play the ball on the floor all the time now. You'd be shocked if you start. I was watching a Liverpool game the other day and I couldn't believe how many headers there were in the game. So so it is, it's, it's, a, it's a big thing. Where can people listen to that, that full podcast if they want to go and, and hear it in full? 
the Lovejoy Hour was a couple of weeks ago. I hadn't plugged my mic in properly, so my bit of it is a bit shit. But the woman, <laughs> the woman, the woman um, Hannah sounds great on it. And, and Hannah's not trying to ruin the sport, by the way. She's just asking the questions. It's really interesting. But but when you get the when you start listening and reading the science behind, I, I mean, the book is 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 scary to read. Very scary to read. But it's happening in um, obviously uh, NFL is horrific for it because the helmets don't protect your brain they protect your skull um rugby obviously not great um afl and stuff like that is not brilliant and um obviously boxing we know punch drunk a lot a lot of people are taking up mma now aren't they as well which is interesting because there's a lot of whiplashy sort of stuff with mma as people are trying to get their heads out of the way and being tackled and hit and kicked and punched and stuff like that so yeah it's interesting we're learning more about the brain the brain's quite <laughs> Brain's quite delicate, apparently. Who yeah. knew? Who knew? <laughs> I've got two more questions for you. Yeah, go it's on. Career highlight. Career highlight. Career highlight. I'll tell you one thing that I loved, and I'll, I'll say this because it's, uh, you know, you've got football fans watching this. What They used to do these, um, I don't know if they do them anymore. They used to do celebrity games before um, the finals. And uh, it was Chelsea Middlesbrough and I was asked to go and play. And I remember just, A, I remember being on the coach and thinking, I cannot believe I'm with all this lot. It was like Ray Winston, Phil Daniels, Damon Albarn, blah, 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 blah. It was like a myriad of celebrities and they were all like proper celebrities and they weren't chosen because they could play football. You know, like the the charity ones now where you sort of get... um, uh, there was some I can't remember the name of the guy now who used to turn up to do all those sort of things but you know it was like it was like you know Robbie Williams was there I think and it was like this this mass of celebrities and I remember getting on the pitch at Wembley and going oh my god I'm on the pitch at Wembley and I looked up and there's a crowd and I was like holy shit there's a crowd of people playing and then Phil Daniels said to me (laughs) brilliantly Phil Daniels said to me look Tim well how do you say it's like Chibi they always call me Chibi always go like uh, uh, if you stay at the bat with me, right, then we'll, we'll, what we'll do is we'll, if you stay at the bat with me, then everybody else runs forward. I think someone like Nigel Ben playing as well, someone like that. And he goes, they'll all go forward. And we stay at the back and we get to see a load of the balls and you can defend with me. And I thought, I don't do that. I want to score. So, um, but fuck it. I, yeah, it's Phil Daniels. I do what he tells me. You know, it's Phil <laughs> Quadrophenia. There we go. Scum. I'll do what Phil. So I stay at the bat. So our formation was 4-4-2, but it soon ended up with 2-4-4, Phil and me at the back. And he was right. I got so much of the ball. And it was really nice. And I was I was playing and I was getting the ball. And then I was like, you know, taking up a few strides. And I felt like, Jesus Christ, I'm like, like, a, like a young Glenn Hoddle here, the way I'm spraying this ball around. It's beautiful to watch, you know what I mean? Because, you know, uh, it was just, it was so lovely. And towards the end, I got up and I, and I had a shot. And what was great is John Leslie um, saved it, but he tipped it. And as he, because he's a good big guy and he went full strength, tipped it and tipped it onto the crossbar. And I thought, you know, that's probably better than scoring because it looks so dramatic. You know, it's, it's not better, but in my mind, it was like, it was like better. But when I got up back up to the, the bit where we, like after the game, we went and had some sandwiches or whatever. And then we went to get our seats to watch the cup final. And, uh, there was a guy there, Eddie, who I ended up becoming friends with. And he said to me, you made us laugh so much. And I said, why? Because you did this tackle and you 
got like there was a divot goes the game played on you ran back and got the divot and put it back on the pitch <laughs> and and he goes it was so funny that you were putting the divots back and I was like but it's Wembley and there's about to be a cup final here. I mean, I couldn't believe they let me play on it, if I'm honest with you, because it was just about to be a cup final. But I saw it as sacred, do you know what I mean? Because I'd been there and I'd watched, you know, uh, England games there and I'd watched cup finals there. And, um, well, I'd watched the four members cup there and I'd gone and watched uh, Man United Ipswich, I think, on the replay. And I'd watched a few matches there and a load of England matches. And and so to me, it was sacred. And I'd always seen it on TV and stuff. And I was like, kind of me mucking it up. Do you know what I mean? But I suppose that that was it. And that, that was when I thought Soccer M had really arrived as well. The fact that I was invited onto that pitch with those people. And they all knew I was as well. And it was great. It was just, it was just great. You know, I loved it. Yeah. It's, it's just great memory. It's, it's actually making the hair stand up for the back of my, uh, my neck because that's, um, yeah, it was such a great memory doing that. Incredible. Incredible. I, I feel a bit tingly. Let's just listen to the story. Just imagining if, if that was me doing that ahead of, of, of a cup final. Like... I, played it, I played it another one with Ray Winston. It, was, it wasn't a Chelsea. I can't remember which cup final it was. And um, uh, do you want to hear this story? You got time? Yeah, yeah. All the time in the world. And uh, Ray, so Ray's, we're in the dressing room and Ray goes, oh, I want to go down and watch the cup final. And uh, Ray goes, we want to go and watch the cup final. He goes, Ray, look, the only way to get you to the cup final is by taking you through the fan. Uh, I can't remember. It's Liverpool fans or something or Man United fans or something. Honestly, can't remember. But I'm no, I noticed one of those teams. And he goes, look, we just don't want to risk your security. Ray goes, well, the game kicks off in five minutes. We want to go and, and look at it. Go, you know, we'll watch it. I went, Ray, look, come on, mate. Look, look, if you give us, let the game kick off and then we'll escort you around. He goes, no, nah, fuck that. Come on, you take me. Take me where you go. And then so he goes, come on, Jimmy, let's go. Let's go. Let's go and watch the game. So I'm behind, I'm behind Ray Winston. And there are all these fans are coming up. And I'm thinking, I'm going to get the shit kicked out of me because I'm a Chelsea fan. I'm such a Chelsea fan. He's a West Ham fan. And as he walked through, he was just going, they were coming up and they're going, Ray, and he was just going, shut it, fuck off, shut it, mug, shut it. And they loved it so much. They're all cheering. He's going, shut your mouth, fuck off, shut it. And he just, he just walked the whole length of the concourse, um, the concourse, like round. He's just, I was just laughing so much, just like going, and they're like, yeah, Ray Winston. <laughs> it's really great. I love that. Wasn't there, I remember you telling a story once about, um, was it Razor Ruddock who left a note for you when you played at Anfield? Yeah, every week on uh, every week on Soccer Am, I used to go, look, I am playing at, at it, it's a game, us, whatever, All-Star 11 versus Liverpool Legends and Razor Ruddock like that. And I did it every week. And, I go, and then I'd go, and Razor Ruddock's getting a run out as well. And they said, Liberty's, I'd go, let me get this straight. It's Liverpool Legends and they're letting Razor play for them as well. And let my Razor, anyway, so I go... <laughs> Turned up at Anfield, and uh, and there was, there was a uh, there was a message on my shirt. So we were it was so cool, like we had all our shirts lined out. I, mean, I was so lucky with this shirt; I loved it. And and on my, <laughs> on my shirt it said, "You are going to die today, Lovejoy," or something like that. And then I was just like, "Oh, it's Razor," and I came out, and he wouldn't look at me. And I was like, "Oh, it's Razor, hi Razor." Anyway, I went to get <laughs> I went to get this ball. So I like my back to goal. Razor's behind me. Pass. <laughs> He absolutely took me out. Honestly, it hurt so much. I can't tell you. It was just like, and I, and I fell down. I was like, 
and my legs working and I thought okay it's like that and he just turned around and he got booked and he just walked away with his arms in the air like that. and it was a great spectacle but Jesus Christ it hurt being tackled by Razor Brother those boys you know is that they really knew how to tackle back then I reckon it's harder to tackle I reckon th- those tackles they used to be able to do in the top flight were just really hardcore and and I, I remember playing a game with um I can't remember who we we're playing with but it's some game in Wrexham or Real or something and I ended up playing with two of my heroes which are joey jones and mickey thomas right and they're both playing mickey used to play on my football team the badgers but i'd never really played with joey and so i'm playing with joey jones and i love him like genuine liverpool legend as you know but also chelsea legend came and played at chelsea he used to come out and do his fist at us every every week and i loved it and i'm playing and this 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 guy like it was like a celebrity thing as well so celebrity thing. and this guy just like kind of took me out and it was really and joey just went to me oh, don't worry tim um don't worry about that. I'll get him or something like that. And the next header, Joey went up. Oh my God. I've never seen anyone win a ball so violently <laughs> with a header. He went straight through, headed the ball, took the man out. And I was like, that's what they used to. They were so professional in those days that they used to be able to, you know, the, the tackles were, and obviously the cameras were there, but not every week. And, you know, and, and they, they were only showing highlights really and stuff like that. Those guys to, to actually be a footballer like Ian Rush, or uh, Dow Gleish or, uh, I don't know, Shearer in his early days and stuff like that, the tackles they probably had to go through were just, they really knew how to hurt each other back then, you know, and they really did. They just absolutely hammered each other. And I don't think you can get away with that now. I spoke to Michael Owen about this once, and I said, do you think it's harder in the lower leagues or the Premier League? Because it always used to be the higher up the league you went, the harder it was. You got your Jimmy Cases and stuff like that, whoever, you know, those sort of players. Uh, Graham Souness, fucking hell double-footed tackles everywhere. Um, and then I went definitely in the lower divisions because you just can't get away with it. You're off. The cameras see you and you're off. Whereas down, the further down you go, people are still getting away with little nasty tricks, you know? That's why it turned into horrible tackles, into people like Dennis Wise nipping you, you know, like <laughs> you'd pinch their skin, wouldn't you, and get them so get them all riled up so they try and throw a punch at him and they try and get him sent off. Jesus. Incredible. It's been amazing. I've got one last question for you. It's a bit of a selfish, but I think the listeners will benefit from it as well. People who have listened to your podcast will will have heard, and I can't use a very wise man, so I want your one piece of advice for life. I've got about 100, but I think I'm going to give you two. I think the, the two which have helped me most is... A, take responsibility for your life. And that is a really good thing to do. Once, you, once you've taken responsibility for everything that you're doing, um, but these are kind of the similar thing, but once you've taken responsibility for everything you're doing, you won't let anybody else have any responsibility for your life. So not your friends, your peer group, your boss, your everything. You take responsibility for everything. Then you have con- total control over your life. And I know it sounds a bit weird, but if you start if you start looking at a politician to help your life, you're going to be let down. Do you know what I mean? You've got to start going, right, this is where I am and I'm now responsible for myself. And I think that helped me out a lot when I was feeling very low and the other thing is that and the most important thing is acceptance acceptance of your situation and um i did a, a interview with a woman called megan hine who wrote a who wrote a book called mind of a survivor and it's one of the most important books i've ever read and only because of this little bit in it where she says she's an explorer and an adventurer and one of those type people and and she wrote a book about um uh the mindset of someone like her 
And the point she made out is if you're in the jungle or up a mountain and you get a broken leg, right? Nature doesn't give a damn how much money you've got, how old you are, what sex you are, where you're from in the country. It just it will kill you unless you accept your situation and get out of that, right? So you've, and I, I've taken that and I know it sounds pathetic, but I've taken that to every single situation. So I remember after reading the book, I was riding along on my Vespa, policeman just stepped out of nowhere with a speed gun and got me at, I don't know, 39 miles an hour and a 30 or something. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. And I went, think about if you're in the jungle, accept the situation, just accept it. And I know it's harder to do than, than, you know, uh, harder than, it's a bit harder than I'm saying, but you've got to just try and whatever you do, you lose your bag, accept it. You, you know, you get COVID, accept it, whatever it is, you know, you've got, you're getting in, in, you know, hopefully you're okay, but you have to accept every situation that you're in. And so the acronym that I made, which doesn't really work, but it's my acronym that I live by is, is, um, is arm. A stands for accept. R t- stands for take responsibility for yourself <laughs> it should be atm but i go for arm because i like it i visualize it so take responsibility and the m i have is move on you've got it you're there if you stay stuck trying your hardest to accept a situation you'll never move on so whatever it is you need to accept it take responsibility responsibility and then uh for yourself and then move on incredible I knew that was going to be an important question at the end because uh, you've done so many incredible podcasts on the on the Love Joy Hour, and you. Um, it, it was a pleasure as ever, Tim. To Lovely to speak have... to you. Come on, the Rams up the Rams, up the Rams, <laughs> up the Rams. What are your chances of survival? Pretty low. Um, we're nine points behind with five games to play. It'd be so magical if you get out of that, won't it? It'd be so magical. Incredible. Stranger things have happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they don't, you need to accept it, take responsibility, move on, and then move the way back up the leagues again. You're, a, you know, Derby County are a big club, so they need to, they need to play at the highest level. They'll get there, I think, eventually. I hope so. Cheers, Tim. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you for having me.